Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 240, for the 13th of May, 2016. I'm Chester Wisniewski, here with Paul Ducklin. Hey, Paul. Hello, Chester. Because it's uh, a Friday the 13th, do we have to have a malware that works on the honor system to celebrate the old days? Like, we, we go and pick a couple of random files of our own and delete them with no purpose. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm afraid uh, we we don't need to rely on uh, uh, the honor system in order to get our machines infected, sadly. Although, to a degree, I guess it sort of is that way when we start looking at things like document malware, where you need to jump through five or six different Microsoft Office hoops to click enable macros to beg them to please infect your computer. Yes, I guess that's why the crooks, as we've mentioned before, are switching more and more to JavaScript, because although the extension sounds unlikely... As we mentioned in the past, A, it's usually hidden, and B, those files have that strange icon that you'd swear meant it was just a plain old text file, whereas in fact it's a full-blooded program that can do anything it wants, including scramble all your files. Well, next time I'm in Redmond, I'll remember to uh, bring that up again, because the double extension stuff and the icons are both things that have led people down a dangerous path, and maybe Microsoft will consider changing them in the future. Meanwhile, though, the American Federal Trade Commission and the American Federal Communications Commission uh, are trying to look out for your best interests, or at least they're kind of starting down that path. Uh, Paul, you and I have talked numerous times on the chat chat about how hard it is to get updates sometimes for Android phones um, in particular because of the diversity of the ecosystem compared to the iPhone. And it seems that the, the government's maybe getting involved a little bit from a consumer protection standpoint going... You know, what is the process for patching vulnerabilities that can put consumers at risk? And I'm assuming the end of this will be to try to develop some policies or procedures to maybe expedite that process to, to, to lower the risk. Yes, I quite like the way they've approached this. The obvious way that you imagine that a that public service would do it is to go away and think about things that would probably have a positive effect, write up a load of regulations and say, right, go away and make this happen. Um, but actually what the what the FTC seems to be doing is saying, okay, firstly, you have to go away and figure out all the devices that you actually have and will support. And then once you know actually what it is you're selling, then come back and tell us what vulnerabilities have been reported on those devices and uh, how did you fix them? There's 45 days for companies to come up with that information. It seems to me that what will be more interesting is the information that can't be achieved in that time. Because if you can't even give a list of vulnerabilities you might set about fixing in 45 days, then it sounds to me as though you certainly haven't got a chance of actually fixing them in 90, 120, or even 180 days, which is way too long. Well, I think it'll also be interesting to see the differences from, uh, you know, this isn't just being sent to the four major cellular carriers in the United States. It's also being sent to device manufacturers and operating system vendors. So that includes Apple, Google, maybe, uh, you know, HTC, uh, you know, all the different companies that have Sony, Samsung, etc. So it'll be interesting to see that, you know, Google says, hey, these are the vulnerabilities and we fixed them on this date. And then, of course, the Google Android handset vendors then go, well, we spent the next three weeks modifying the Google stuff to work on our device. And then you'll see Sprint and Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile come out and say, and then we spent the next six months actually reinstalling all of our bloatware onto these things and making it part of the firmware before we were able to release that fix to a phone. And I think that's where it's going to get interesting. Yes, it does seem ridiculous that 
the way to get an update, for example, for a, an instant messaging program that came with your device is to wait until there's an entire update of the whole shooting match, operating system, apps, configuration settings, the lot. What is so hard about having apps that update independently from the operating system itself? Well, and it, it almost looks like it's designed to make Apple's ecosystem look good, but there's there's more than just the the patching side of this as well, in my opinion. I think there's some area there for this concept of a security warranty. And I remember three or four years ago when a new iPhone was introduced, the previous model was being sold by AT&T for $99. Uh, you know, hey, buy buy the iPhone 3 or, you know, I don't remember what it was because uh, now, of course, the 5 is out or something like this. And then, you know, Apple promptly stopped releasing iOS updates for that device, you know, within six months of people buying it brand new from their carrier. So I think that's another thing I would want to know as a consumer when I'm purchasing an expensive device, even if it's on discount for $99, which is, okay, if I buy this tomorrow, how long are you going to provide me updates for it? Do I have a year? Do I have six months? Do I have 30 days? Um, You know, it seems like the device really isn't safe to use beyond its maintained life by the vendor. Therefore, you ought to be able to tell me how long you're going to support it so I can make an informed choice. Now, the next story is a little dear to my heart because I've been doing a lot of work on this for the last year or two. Um, You know, the old saying is it takes two to tango. And it doesn't just take a vulnerable PC or a user being fooled into opening up a JavaScript attachment to infect your computer. Usually it also involves a compromised server or bot somewhere that's being used to distribute that compromise, uh, whether that's through a, you know, an exploit kit or something like this. And some, some rather concerning news about a very popular toolkit that is sadly, I think, for its popularity, often not even known that it's there. In this case, it's a, a library or a tool called Image Magic. And most people have asked, even if they run websites, might go, well, yeah, I don't use Image Magic. I don't know what that is. Yet, maybe a surprise to you when you're installing WordPress or Drupal or your latest plugins or any kind of multimedia stuff to run a website, it's a very commonly used underlying component that's automatically installed in a, in a part of some very, very popular applications. Uh, I went through my Linux servers that I run, and in fact, every single one of them had Image Magic installed and being used by web applications I'm using, even though I, I can't consciously remember going, hey, let's go install Image Magic. So it got its own brand, the vulnerability anyway, Image Tragic, but the brand may not be a bad thing back to raising awareness again, which is hey, if you don't know what this is and you're a web server administrator, you probably have it and gosh darn it, you better get out there and fix it quick because it's being exploited in the wild and it's not difficult to exploit, which means criminals are going to be taking advantage of this for years if we dally. Image magic, if you don't know what it is, it's a command line image processing tool. Now, most people, when you think of editing an image, you think of Photoshop or GIMP or something like that, or Apple Photo, where you go in and you've got an image of your own and you tweak it and you fiddle around and then you save the modified version. Uh, you know, the, the idea of doing that on the command line where you type in a series of, oh, well, chop off this line and change red to blue, it just sounds crazy. But of course, if you're processing images Uh, on a web server to make things like thumbnails or image galleries and stuff like that. You want an easy way to do repetitious transformations on huge numbers of images. And Image Magic, as you say, is the tool that many people use to do that because it's kind of part of most Linux distros. And worse, because that's the way you use it, you don't use it interactively, you don't use it on your computer, usually with your images, almost always its function is to be exposed to potentially hostile content like images that are uploaded from outside. 
and could take over the server. And then, as you say, could give a crook an easy way, not of messing with your images, of just taking over the server so they can add some extra stuff like malware that can be downloaded, turning you into a free malware distribution network. So if you don't know whether you have image magic, but you have a blog or a web hosting company or whatever that's set up servers for you, you want to ask them about apps like this that you may not have heard of when you hear there are vulnerabilities in them. Well, I think that the the reminder here is always install packages from your distributions repository so that when you do an update to the system, things like this will automatically get updated uh, as part of that process and it's not something separate. Uh, you know, I learned years ago when I used to install WordPress from a tarball from the WordPress website, and then I would miss WordPress updates, not realizing they had happened because I didn't install them from the Red Hat repository or the Ubuntu repository or, in, that, in my case, Arch Linux repository. So it's another a, a, you know, good reminder that Linux boxes need the same love as Windows boxes. They need to be updated all the time. If you install stuff from the centralized equivalent to Windows Update in the Linux world, your your repository that comes from the packager of, of your operating system, then this stuff will automatically get applied. All the major vendors have released this update uh, by simply doing your RPM or your, your Debian package download or your, your Arch uh, Pac-Man updates. You'll get this and uh, make sure that that's the process you're following and get out there and do it. Yes, and if you've got, particularly if you're running a blog site or some kind of content management system that supports plugins, Sometimes those aren't in your regular repository because they're just, you know, scripts that you download from here or a small plugin that some guys developed and you install it. It's easy to forget about those. So if you're running a server that's facing the public, you need to be able to make an inventory for yourself of all of the stuff that's on there. So you've got a checklist once in a while to go through and make sure that you haven't missed a patch because in a very diverse ecosystem like Linux, it's terribly easy to miss one. And that's exactly what the crooks are waiting for. Yeah, if you install something outside of your package repository, it's always a good idea to try to find if they have a security announce mailing list as well and sign up for that. I, I certainly do that with the tools I use so that I'm made aware immediately when a new vulnerability is fixed and then I can decide what my, my action's going to be to, to, to remediate that, whether it's patching or, or a mitigation of a config file or something like that. Uh, lastly, since we're talking about patches, though, I just want to, you know, we don't talk about uh, Windows updates that often, but this week in particular, or the last 10 days or so, I should say, has been really dangerous for Windows users. Um, there was a huge patch made available for Ac Acrobat Reader from Adobe, which uh, has been exploited in the wild, and that came out a little over a week ago. Uh, that was followed up uh, actually on Thursday by a flash update from Adobe that also is being exploited in the wild. And in fact, uh, the, the date for releasing the patch was was shifted around specifically to be sure that that fix got to you as quickly as possible. That's being exploited by criminals as well. And Microsoft, during its part of its normal patch Tuesday rounds this week, had a fix for Internet Explorer that also was being used in the wild that uh, had remote code execution capabilities. So these are such high risk things and knowing that criminals are actively using them we did want to point out that they're available and urge you to urgently please get out there and get those deployed as quickly as you can if you can't eliminate flash and reader from your environment at a minimum be able to respond very quickly when these kind of uh, announcements come out if you have some lined notepaper at home then take it out and put it on the table and get a pen and write out 250 times as neatly as you can i really don't need flash after all 
I really don't need Flash after all. Convince yourself to try uninstalling it and see how you get along. This is the third month in a row that there's been an emergency Flash patch for a zero day. And remember, a zero day is when there have been zero days that even a well-informed admin could have been ahead. It's when the crooks get to the bad stuff first and the patch comes later. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, maybe we can convince Matt Groening to uh, to get Bart Simpson to write that on the chalkboard uh, at the beginning of The Simpsons just to help drive the point home. <laughs> I forgot about having a chalkboard to do it. That way you can rub it off and then write afterwards, uninstalling it's not that hard. Yeah, I do something similar. I, I don't have Flash installed. Uh, I use Firefox as my browser. But then I keep a copy of Chrome installed that I only use when I need Flash. So I go to a site and I'm struggling with it. And I'm like, ah, it looks like it needs Flash. I, I go launch Chrome. I go to the website that needs Flash. Chrome has a built-in Flash renderer. When it's done, I close Chrome and I move on. Um, now, we don't normally have a, a, a shout out to listeners in the Manchester, UK area. But my understanding is we have a, an event coming up you wanted to uh, let everyone know about? Yes, uh, IP Expo Manchester. If you're going to be in the area, it's Wednesday and Thursday, the 18th and 19th of May 2016. Uh, go to the Sophos blog. There's a post there where you can register for a free pass. So if you're there, uh, do stop by if you can. And I'll echo that for our Asia-Pacific partners as well. Next week, of course, we've invited many of you to come and join us for our partner conference. And if you're there, uh, I will be there doing a presentation and I would love to hear your feedback on the chat chat and have a chat with you. And on that note, we'll conclude Software Security Chat Chat 240. As always, the latest security news is available at nakedsecurity.sophos.com. All of our podcasts are on iTunes, the TuneIn app, Google Play, and at soundcloud.com slash sofasecurity. And until next time, stay secure.